One Act Called Readings is proud to present Not Smart, A Farce in One Act by Wilbur Daniel Steele. The following one-act play is reprinted from the Provincetown Plays. Editors George Cram Cook and Frank Shea. New York, D. Appleton and Company, 1921. It is now in the public domain and may therefore be performed without royalties. I'm Daniel Vaughn Manasia. I will be playing Milo Tate. Hi, this is Mary Wood. I'm going to be playing Fanny Tate, Milo Tate's wife. I'm Infinity Jemison Ewing. I'm playing Mrs. Painter, a neighbor. I'm Rose Buckner, and I'll be playing Maddie the Maine. I'm Jim Banta, and I'll be playing Mr. Snow, the fisherman. The time is late summer in a Cape Cod village. The living room of a typical shore cottage, the rented kind, outer door, rear center, door to kitchen, left, writing desk against the wall right, two or three chairs, cheap stand, etc., Curtin discovers Milo stretched on the couch reading a magazine and Fanny writing at the desk. Milo closes the magazine slowly, holds it away from him over the edge of the couch, and with an expression of exhausted hopelessness lets it fall to the floor. He groans feebly. Oh, what's the use? What's the use? Something in the magazine, dear? The strange woman's face in the throng, pale, alluring, baffling with lips like poppy and this sort of thing. The wind carving her figure as in warm and sentient marble, ankles and so on. Perfectly inflamed, our hero pursues her, careless of the hereafter, reckless of the eyes of the world. Of a sudden, a vision of his beloved one, at home, you know, right in the middle of the street, flaming sword sort of thing, and, and I didn't read any further. I don't need to. I know he'll turn around and go home, Fanny. Home! Milo starting up with feverish energy and kicking the magazine across the floor. They're all the same. That's what's the matter with America. He relapses on the couch, crosses his arms over his head, and goes on speaking to the ceiling in a tone of musing. Thank God. That is, the gods. Nothing like it can ever happen to us. Isn't it fearful to think of one's spirit cooped up between the narrow walls like that? Now, I would have followed the ankle, wouldn't I? I mean, I would have followed it till it, till it turned to ashes in my, well, you know. And then, when I came back to you enriched, bringing the spoils of a profound experience, Fanny, you wouldn't mind. Mind? Why should I mind, Milo? Can a thing of that sort tamper with the essential qualities of our relationship? No. No. We've learned better than that, you and I. And you, you'll always feel quite free, too. You'll never let the silly little inhibitions... No, no. <laughs> Someday there may be a nice chap. I'd rather have it a nice chap. Like Mort say. Mort Painter? Fanny's attention has returned to her letter once more. She folds it, puts it in an envelope, and addresses it. Milo, studying her with a light of uneasy speculation, goes on after a moment. I'm afraid it would raise a bit of the devil in the painter house, Fanny. That's all. You know, Mrs. Painter isn't exactly our kind. Fanny, still about her business, rises and places the letter among others on the top of the desk. After another moment, Milo breaks out in a tone of obvious relief. But he isn't home, you know. And why isn't he home? Why is he staying away so long? It's over two months now and he's been away. I, well, I, I don't know. 
He probably finds the fishing good down there in Maine, or whatever it is. I, I, I hadn't thought... I had, Milo. There's something in the woodpile, I tell you. Mrs. Painter is distinctly evasive. It's also unnatural. We all came down to this corner of the shore to have a nice, quiet summer. And then, of a sudden, he packs up and is gone overnight. No sign of him coming back. There's something behind it, Milo. Shaw, Shaw. <laughs> There's the woman cropping out. Why shouldn't he go fishing and stay as long as he wants to? I've been thinking of nothing for a week but more. You have. After an instant of confrontation, he sits down weakly on the couch, mops his brow with his handkerchief, and then recovers himself sufficiently to resume in a tone tinctured with venom. I must say, Fanny, this rather sudden interest in one of my oldest friends... You don't mind? Mind? Why, good heavens, Fanny... Why, why should I mind? I knew you wouldn't. And, after all, it's his wife I'm concerned about. Poor thing, standing here all alone. Whew! Damned hot, I say. I think I'll have a glass of milk. If you'd be so good, Fanny. That's a dear. Maddie! Maddie! Huh? Bring Mr. Tate a glass of milk right away. And how many times have I told you to say ma'am when you speak to me? Why should she say ma'am? After all, my dear, you know she is... There are times, Milo, when your theories... My theories, Francis are identical with yours. The only point of variance being that I am willing to practice them at home. Rising, he transfixes his wife with a didactic forefinger. We all talk so largely of the brotherhood of man, and yet there is a young girl, a really splendid sort of creature in a way, living close to the throbbing heart of Mother Earth. Close to the throbbing heart of the kitchen rage, you'd better say. For all you find talk, you don't know any more about her than I do. And that's not a blessed thing. Not one single blessed thing, Milo. For all we know, she may be... Oh, for heaven's sakes, Milo, stop looking that way. Living close to the throbbing heart of Mother Earth, feeling the life pulse of the cosmos. Well, damn it all. She's precisely the kind of thing we write about and talk and make gestures about. A lot of us, you know. Only she is it. She lives it. She's got something we've lost. Sometimes, you know, my dear, I almost feel... No, I do feel, in a way... Yes? A, a strange spiritual bond with that creature. Something drawing me irresistibly, like the pull of green things in the damp earth. Weird. Almost, uh, pliocene. Oh, by the way, you don't mind. Mine? In a way, you know, she's got something other than we... Enter Maddie, carrying a glass of milk on a server. Ah. With an unwanted energy, he moves a small stand beside the couch half reclines and waves Maddie to deposit the glass on the stand. As she does so, he gently captures her hand in his. She endeavors to recover it, profoundly embarrassed, casts a frightened glance at the mistress, then, evidently deciding in her numb and docile brain that this is the accepted thing, remains inert, staring ponderously at her boot toes. I wonder if you've ever thought much about yourself, Maddie. You wouldn't, though. You wouldn't. That's just the matter with us. No. Of course you wouldn't. Well, she wouldn't, would she? We've been wondering if, if you knew how wonderful you are, Maddie. Because you are wonderful. You're out of your age in a world staggering under a Freud, a Trotsky, a Marconi, the Republic of China, and the imagist poets. And you've managed somehow to slip back to the great, all-brooding fundamentals. Food, shelter, procreation. Milo! That, I believe, is the order in which they come. Milo lights a cigarette. Or... Perhaps I'm wrong. Uh, of course, my dear, if you want to get into this philosophics and metaphysics, 
I grant you the old argument. Does the hen come first and the egg second, or the egg first and the hen? Milo, this is a young girl. Exit Maddie. Francis, Francis, are we to be always like that? Always slipping back into the old, fog-bound superstitions of mid-Victorian home? Oh, be quiet, please. It isn't that. You ought to know me well enough by this time, but she wouldn't understand. If she could understand, it would do her any good. Enlarge her life in the least, Milo. Understand? Of course she doesn't understand. Do we want her to understand, my dear girl? Enlarge her life? Look here, my dear, I'm, I'm serious. That girl has got something or other that neither you nor I or any of us in the group could come to in a thousand years of self-centered and spiritual crucifixion. She has got... Exactly what? Why, she has got... See here, Francis. You know what I mean as well as I do. For heaven's sake, after two years of our talks, of our trying to find our little group, you you know... Look here, Fanny. You talk as primitive as anyone. And now you stand here and, and ask... Glancing out of the window, Milo speaks with an air of relief at the diversion. Oh, here comes Mrs. Painter up the steps. In confusion, Fanny extends the half-smoked cigarette. Oh, quick, take this. Milo starts to take it furtively, then, as if bethinking himself, draws back and confronts her with a grim disapprobation. Fanny! You idiot! A knock is heard at the door. Fanny, wasting no time in further argument, skips about in desperate search for a place to hide the incriminating object. Are we to always be that kind? Fanny faces him defiantly, then, shamed by his superior sense of honor, puts the cigarette between her lips and puffs conscientiously. Knocking resumes. Come in! Enter Mrs. Painter. Oh, good afternoon, Mr. Tate. I was just coming up from the beach, you know, and I thought I'd... Catching sight of Fanny in a cloud of smoke, she gasps, stares desperately at the floor, the ceiling, the desk, then sinks down in a chair. Drop in. Terribly glad. When's Mort coming home? I, I, he hasn't decided. Hasn't it been a glorious? Mrs. Painter suffers another shock as her eyes, turning, come to the pillar of smoke and relapses. Perfectly glorious, really. Yes, yes. When's Mort coming home? I, uh, he hasn't. She looks from one to the other with a sudden suspicion, then rises majestically and confronts Fanny with an icy accusation. Mrs. Tate, your husband asked me that question ten seconds ago, and if I'm not mistaken, you heard me answer him. Oh, oh, I won't stand it. Oh, you're so mean, always pecking at me. Pecking? Pecking at you? Yes, pecking at me. She sinks down in the chair and, burying her face in her hands, gives way to uncontrollable grief. The others exchange inquiring glances, shrug their shoulders, and sign with the helpless bewilderment of the falsely accused. By and by, Mrs. Painter begins to speak, her cheeks pressed into her palms, eyes fixed on vacancy. I suppose you might as well know. You'll have to sometime. Mort is never coming back. What? Old Mort? Good old Mort? For heaven's sakes, why not? You remember the maid we engaged down here the first summer? Abby Small? Well, she got in trouble. Oh, yes. Mort denied it and denied it and denied it. He would, of course. We got her out of the way immediately, sent her up to the rescued Magdalene's home in the city. We couldn't do less. I know the place. It's good and clean and wholesome. Not at all like an institution. They have their amusements and things, and... and... She suffers a momentary relapse into tears. Milo begins to pace the floor, wrapped in thought. She resumes gravely. And Mort, when he found at last that the wool would not be pulled over my eyes, packed up his things and went away. 
Perhaps it is best. Best? You can say best? My God, you must forgive me, Mrs. Painter. Sitting down on the end of the couch, he goes on with the persuasive sweetness of the evangelist. You say it is best by your lights. And by my lights, I say it is worse. Worse. Because it seems to me you are missing the fundamental significance of life. That you are deliberately shutting the door on life. That you are throwing away an experience, you three. Think of it. How wonderful a thing, passing together hand in hand through the unfolding hours of a miracle, you three. Are you crazy? Is is the man insane? No, Mrs. Painter. It seems to me he is precisely sane. We have been thinking about it a great deal, Milo and I, and we... Mrs. Tate, I can't say how deeply I am... I, really, I think I had better be gone. She moves away majestically toward the door. No, no. Don't take on so, my dear. <laughs> Shaw. You mustn't go off in a huff like this, must she, Milo? See here, sit down and we'll have a cup of tea. Maddie! Maddie! Yes, yes, do please sit down. Maddie! Maddie! Where is that girl? Wait a second, I'll go hurry her up. But my dear, my dear, you couldn't talk that way, either of you, if you had been through it yourself. If you knew the torment of that day, when the girl came to me and told me she wasn't smart, not smart. Yes, that's the way they put it down here, when they are expecting. Not smart. Enter Milo. Oh, Milo, dear. Mrs. Painter has just been telling me about the quaintest thing. It is a thing I should rather not discuss in, in mixed company, especially with Mr. Tate. Oh, oh, come now, Mrs. Painter. Don't let's quarrel over, over abstraction. See here, we'll have some tea and we'll all feel better. Where's that girl? Enter Maddie, a dish in one hand, dish towel in the other. She stands staring gloomily at her boots. Yeah, ma'am. Mom. That's better. Now, will you bring the tea thing? Quickly. Yeah, mom. Well? Maddie does not answer. Her lower lip sags, her knees bend a little, and the dish escaping her nerveless fingers crashes on the floor. Good heavens, what is the matter with you? Speak! I smart. Not smart? Not smart? Not smart? Dear creature, oh, you wonderful, simple, primitive creature. Smartness. Pah! Don't sit there looking at me so aghast, as if I were uttering heresies. Smart. We are smart. You and, and you and I. And look at us. No, no, my dear girl, you are not smart. And heaven send you may never come to be smart. You, hiding in your soul something a thousand times more precious than smartness. An element of wisdom. Milo, it isn't that, you fool. It isn't that she means by not smart. Don't you know what it means down here? Why, it means that one is in a delicate. Delicate? You say delicate. And I say, don't talk to me of delicacy. No, no, look at me as hard as you want to. There's something more priceless in the world than delicacy. We're immersed in it. Yes, I'll say it. Immersed. All the vile little soul stifling inhibitions of soap and toothbrush. Chinese pottery. I see that I shock you. Well, I'm willing to shock you. You, Mrs. Painter, and you, my dear Francis. But I tell you that this girl here, this splendid, deep-bosomed, oxide earth woman, is not delicate. Then as for me... I didn't say not delicate. I said in a delicate. Milo puts his hand to his brow with a sudden new suspicion of light. In a delicate what? Condition! Milo sits down abruptly on the couch and staring into vacancy. 
Con- condition? Tableau. Maddie staring at her boots, the two women staring at Milo, Milo staring at nothing. By and by, he turns his head and starts violently as he meets the accusing eyes. What are you looking at me for? Seized by a sudden panic, he shakes wild hands at them. Now, now stop looking at me! Now stop it! Stop looking at me! Stop! 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 The idea! Milo! Oh, Milo! Milo! I'm afraid I shall have to say, good evening. Mrs. Painter exits in a blaze of glory. You may leave the room, Maddie. Exit Maddie, her eyes still on the floor. Milo gazes after her, blank and helpless. As the door closes, Fanny sinks on her knees beside the desk and, hiding her face in her hands, shakes with the tumult of her woe, sobbing a muffled Milo, Milo from time to time. Milo paces back and forth rapidly. Francis, ten minutes ago I would have called the man a liar who told me that you, my wife, had such a low Vicious mind. Did you hear me? Good God, Fanny. The world is so full of low minds. I suppose eternally ready to suspect the worst. Licking their licorice lips for a chance of a man's good name. Ugh. Of course, the girl must be gotten away from here immediately. Fanny. Still hearing no answer, he jumps up and moves toward her. See here. Pull yourself together. There are arrangements to make. The poor creature can't be left here to face the sneers of these damned, narrow-souled provincials. She is, in a sense, independent of ours. It seems to me we can't do less than to send her away to some place where she will be looked after, cared for, understood, in the city. Fanny, will you listen to me? Grasping her shoulder, but not too gently, he tries to uncover her face. She uncovers it herself. Please don't touch me. Stop it. Stop it, I say. Don't touch me. But, but I keep telling you. Please don't keep telling me anything. I can't comprehend anything right now. My brain won't work. I think I'm going crazy. But I tell you, it wasn't me. Denials, denials. I think I might have been spared this. But it wasn't. You know. If you must make a brood of yourself, you might have been a gazelle, not a jackal. Milo stares at her a moment, fascinated, then takes a day's turn about the room. Somewhere in the circuit, he discovers a little spirit of his own. But if it had been, Fanny. If it had been. You wouldn't mind, would you? Mind? I? <laughs> oh, that's better. That's more like my girl. I knew you wouldn't, even if it, if it had been. <laughs> That's right. And now let's think. Have we got a timetable in the house with connection? And, ah, yes, about the address. The what you may call it Magdalene's home. We must get it from Mrs. Painter. The girl mustn't stay here for a moment more than is absolutely necessary. What are you talking about? That place in the city. Mrs. Painter thinks well of it. What has that got to do with it? Why? Of course, the young woman is to remain with us. What? Naturally. Why, Milo? How queer you talk. We, you, and I are not going to miss the fundamental significance of life, are we? We're not deliberately going to shut the door on life. We three, this wonderful thing. I I must say, my dear girl, this is a poor time for facetiousness. We three passing together, hand in hand, through the unfolding hours of a miracle. Francis, you are very unkind. You will never understand me. Understand you? Not in the deeper sense. You are a woman, after all. 
you will cling pathetically to the grammar school notion that two and two makes four. Ah, and that theories are put practice at home? Theories? My God, theories. Ideals. Dreams. If one could but afford to dream. But that this for the angels and the young, happy youth, unencumbered, foot free. All of which is to say? Hang, take it all. My affairs are in a delicate condition. It's a confounded, precarious period in my career, my dear girl. Another year, who knows, and I may arrive if nothing happens. After all, we owe a little something to my career. Ah, career? And to our own folks, yours and mine, and, and to your good name. Quite so, my good name. You are beginning to think even of that. But I keep telling you. A loud knock is heard at the outer door. Milo, stepping to the window, cranes out, then with a look of consternation, runs and sets his back against the door. It's that painter woman. What are we going to do? Do? What should we do when everything is so sweet and natural? Fanny, are you insane? No, I am precisely sane. Let her in, please. Fanny. Fanny. Come in. The door opens after a brief struggle. Milo accepts sanctuary in its lee, still visible to the audience, but screened from Mrs. Painter, who enters and, after a suspicious glance at the panels, plops down in a chair and folds her hands. Well, here I am. I started to go home, and then I just couldn't. When there's anyone in trouble, when there's a chance of anyone's needing help, well, that's the way I am, Mrs. Tate. I said to myself, now, if there's anything I can do, any arrangements I can help them make to get that wretched girl out of the way before the town is by the ears, poor Mr. Tate, I said to myself. When all these rough fishermen learn the news, oh, my dear Mrs. Tate, you don't know them. They're ignorant and uncouth, and you wouldn't think they had a spark of sentiment or honor in them. But when anyone gets one of their women folks in trouble, especially an outsider like Mr. Tate, well, I said to myself, weak as I am, if there's to be any harm done, any violence... Milo, who has been visibly wilting behind the door, bursts forth with an attempt at bravado. Harm? Violence? What do you mean? See here, do you imagine for one instant that any man, fisherman or no fisherman, can come around here bulldozing me, a perfectly innocent bystander? Have I no protection under the constitution of this country? I think I have, but I'm forgetting that poor tragic creature. She can't be left here to face that sneering rabble. I'll get a rig. I'll drive her over to the junction myself. I'll take her up to the city myself. I'll make the arrangements at the... Mrs. Painter, where was that place? Let me think. Let me think. Well, for heaven's sake, don't don't you remember? Let me think, I tell you. Please, please, don't keep hopping about that way or I'll never remember. Let me think. Was it 93rd Street or was it 39th Street? Or was it 93 some other street? Or 39? But my dear woman. I think you are both of you making rather... Rather, a spectacle of yourself. You seem to overlook the fact that all this fuss and flurry is quite unnecessary. Quite. Unnecessary? Good lord, woman. Look at the time. This was such a good place. Not at all like an institution. They had their amusements and things. If a girl has to go away. If she has to go away. Quite so. I agree with you. But you must remember that this is quite another case. For the girl is not going away. She is remaining here quietly with us. Francis, I swear, I swear if you don't drop the pose and come to your senses. Why, of course. Why, my dear, of course. Oh, Mr. Tate, how stupid of me, knowing your principles. I was in the excitement and the, uh, danger of the moment. I was just being hopelessly middle class. Why, of course. 
All right. All right. Seeing that I can hope for no ordinary human assistance from either of you, I wash my hands of you. Only please, keep out of my way. Milo becomes ecstatically busy, dragging a handbag from under the couch, hopping about and stuffing into it the most absurd and unrelated objects. Draperies, match safe, etc. Please, I, I say, keep out of my way. Maddie! Uh, Maddie! God, where is that girl? Good Lord, she'll have no time to pack her things, and and they might be here any minute. Who might be here? Please, please don't speak to me. Maddie! Oh, for God's sake, girl! Are you deaf? Maddie! Enter Maddie. Yeah, Mom? Not her. Me, Maddie. See here, hurry. Don't keep standing there like a chump. Get your things together. Just what you need. Throw them together, girl. Huh? Mom? You mustn't take any notice of him, Maddie. He's... Francis, oblige me by keeping quiet. Now hurry. You're going away. I'm going to take you to the city. We'll drive to the junction, understand? Junction. Drive. City. Good God, what a bonehead. Going to city. Get that? It's a nice place. Not at all like an institution. They have their amusements and things. City. Understand. Huh, Mom? I told you not to pay any attention to him. He's not quite himself. Of course you're not going to see at all. You're going to remain right here with us. Right in this house with us. We three, very quietly, until... Until... Until your... Your... You know... Is... Is... You know... Born. Damn it, she can't! I say she can't! Tell them you can't! No, Mom. I, I can't. My, my old man wouldn't like it, Mom. Your father wouldn't like it? No, Mom. That's right. None of them wouldn't like it, Mom. Do they? Good God. They don't know, do they? Yep, Mom. Told them today, and my old man... Not another word. For heaven's sake, don't stand there wasting time. Go. Get a hat on. What the devil did you have to tell them for? They might be here any minute now. The whole pack of them. Hush! My God, what's that? He grasps Maddie fiercely by the shoulder and confronts her accusingly. Girl! I, I guess maybe that's my old man. Milo groans, then straightens up and looks about him, steps hastily to the window and peeps out. No one on this side, yet. Should I leave him in, Mom? You fool! Come! We'll make a run for it the front way. Come along, I say. He starts to drag her by main force toward the front door. Maddie, aroused from her native coma by his violence and the savage expression on his face, struggles frantically, appealing to Fanny. Oh, no! Mom, no! Mom, no! Mom, no! As Milo, dragging her, puts out his hand to open the front door, terror overcomes her and she begins to shriek incoherently. From offstage, kitchenway, comes the sound of a door broken in and deep masculine rumblings. Enter Mr. Snow, a fisherman, disheveled, wild-eyed, carrying a trawl tub and armed with a gas. At the sight of the tableau by the door, he draws up in a dramatic attitude of a tiger about to spring. Leave be with your hands there. Milo lets Maddie go and sinks back against the wall, staring with an appealing fascination at the intruder. It wasn't me, I swear. I give you my word. It wasn't me. Wasn't you? You stand there and tell me it wasn't you. And me, seeing you with my very eyes, wasn't you, eh? Maddie, come here. Maddie runs and takes exhausted shelter behind him. It wasn't me. It wasn't. It wasn't. Uh, honestly, Mr. Uh, Mr. Stow it. I seen you. So stow it before I heave this tub at your head. I don't care who you are. I know what you've done. 
I seen you doing it, and I'm going to give you a lesson to chaw on. I'll be dumbed if I ain't. I didn't! Don't you touch an innocent man! It was someone else did it! I swear by my honor! Somebody else did it! Somebody else done what? It! It what? He means got her in, in trouble. In trouble? Her? Him? Say! You didn't know? That your daughter was... My daughter? But she said you were... You were her old man. Old man? Of course I'm her old man. And she's my old woman. Do you mean she is your... 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 Wife? Well, for Christ's sake now, what did you think? We simply didn't think. We didn't know she was... Married. We all want to beg a thousand pardons, Mr... Mr... Ten thousand. <laughs> Ten thousand. Well, I don't know. Don't seem to understand. But I just come up here to tell you I thought that's the woman should quit work now. She ain't smart, you know? Yes, yes. No, that's all right. We understand, old chap. Yes, indeed. Good. Goodbye. Good day to you all. Tell him good day, Maddie girl. Good day to you, Mom. Exeunt, somehow or another. For a time, deep silence reigns. Milo, relapsed on the couch, veils his face with a handkerchief. Mrs. Painter sits down in a chair very quietly, takes her cheeks between her hands, and stares at nothing. After a moment, Milo summons his strength to arise and stand mid-stage in an attitude convenient for his wife to cast her arms around him. Milo! Milo! I've been such a mean, shallow little ninny. I can never, never forgive myself. I wonder. I wonder. Milo, Milo, darling, look at me. I'll never doubt you again as long as I live. I remember now. It was 39 East. Thank you for joining us for this performance of Not Smart by Wilbur Daniel Steele. I'm your host, Lisa Creed. Join us next time for another episode of One Act Cold Readings.